All right, we are here with Ron here at Alaska Artisan Coffee, and he's going to be talking to us a little bit about what they do and how they get their coffee, so I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Good afternoon. My name is Ron McClure, Alaska Artisan Coffee. I've been roasting coffee since 1992. I lived in South America for a period of time, around over close to six years. Did not go down there for coffee, but uh, in life, things developed and doors opened. And I happened to have, it was an Easter holiday, so nobody was working. So I went for a hike and hiked into a coffee plantation. And then I got to meet the owners. And I got to meet one a sincere friend of mine nowadays. Uh, and I'm godfather to two of the kids and one of the grandchildren and stuff. So the connection was Kind of interesting how we developed to where we're at today. We order our coffee from 14 to 17 different countries. We spend a lot of time watching the weather, the forecasts, and what's going on. Because like all crops, they're dictated by Mother Nature. And I'm constantly watching what's going on, whether there's situations that could impact the quality of the beans. Uh, knowing that, then I have to adjust myself accordingly uh, if an event, for instance, a tsunami in Indonesia, where obviously there's no coffee for a while, so you have to look, research, and find something that will come close to it. I always try to stay within the top shelf, if you will, of the green bean procurement side of the world. I figure if I'm going to go through the amount of work and exercise to bring green beans all the way up here to Alaska, I might as well try to produce the best that I possibly can. Uh, you know, there's always a temptation to look for basement coffee, and I think, God, I could make a lot of money if I ordered that, but I don't, and I have yet to do it over the years. And uh, you can find all of our coffee under Alaska Artisan Coffee. It's all the Three Bears location, Walmart's throughout Alaska, Fred Meyer throughout Alaska, Cars, Safeway throughout Alaska, and Valley Country Stores. And we have some coffee shops that carry our product also. One of the uniqueness of what we do is, number one, we are 100% roasted and employed people here locally. We don't bring up coffee that's roasted from Seattle, throw it in a bag, and have our name on it. So everything we do, the money stays here. So I pay the employees, the employee shops local and etc it's just good environment to live under i don't do very seldom a single bean origin a varietal my i'm known for blends I, you know all of my coffee is pretty much on a blended basis my basically my most famous one that i actually the foundation of our little company is outhouse coffee the outhouse coffee was developed when I was in Columbia. I bumped into a guy, part of the plantation, but he was a German fellow, and he was in charge of all the plants and starting new plants and etc. And him and I never really hit it off for <laughs> some reason. But anyway, to make a long story short, I really, really wanted to gaff this particular coffee tree with this other coffee tree and develop this whole new thing that I would be world famous for. And he kept telling me that's a shiza idea. <laughs> and anyways, make a long story short, we planted some of them 
And I got a call about three, four years later when I was up here that they are prior, they had actually grown. And they were producing coffee. But unfortunately, he was right because they never really gaff. So, you know, one branch had this and the other branch had the other stuff. So it never became anything that I would be famous for. So to make it, and then I took that mentality and I blended as close as I could the coffee that I wanted to do. And my wife looked at me and she says, what in the world are you going to call it? And I thought of Reinhardt, which was his name, the German fellow that I did get along with. And I named it after him. Instead of German word Scheiße, it's outhouse. <laughs> so, Love it. <laughs> and believe it or not, outhouse gets shipped all over. We shipped it to Germany. We shipped it to England. Uh, a lot of it goes to the East Coast, Georgia, New York, Ohio. And so from that, as we grew, we developed other blends and other recipes. Uh, Fog Riser is probably the biggest, most famous one that we've got that everybody loves. And then we got the Arctic Wolf, and we got the Tundra Mud, and... Uh, Shit Creek, and some other ones that seem to float around, and we're doing all right with them. The labeling that we do is a little bit different. Before I started this, I spent days just looking in various stores as to what makes a customer buy a bag of coffee, knowing that I'm going to compete with, I think I compete with 52 other companies. Oh, wow. So it's, a, it's very important to stand it's out. It's tough. It's tough. So, and I noticed all the bags they had, you know, their big name on top and then the blend, what it was on the bottom. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll do something different. I'll just put the blend on top, outhouse coffee blend, and then my little name on the bottom. And with that, as to whether it's a good strategy or not, I don't know. But to this day, that's how it is, and that's it seems to work. So, as long as it works, you know, leave it alone and let it roll. Now, were you born here in Alaska? No. How did you end up bringing your coffee business up here compared to any place that would have been a hundred times easier to ship coffee to (laughs) instead of picking the the most isolated place? I basically grew up in right on the Canadian border in Vermont, a little city called Newport, Vermont. And we crossed the border. Most of my family is Canadian, Montreal, in that area. Uh, So we're French-Canadian, known as Frogs. And 1971 or 72, uh, it's on a dairy farm, and I figured it's going to be a better way of life. So I, everything I belonged into the back seat of a Monte Carlo, and I drove that thing up here to Alaska. Oh wow! And, and I worked here, drove trucks, etc., and bumped into somebody and said, "Hey, oh, we're going to South America. We could use a hand if you're interested." I was in a situation where it was 35 below zero. My truck was stuck. The chain was broke. <laughs> Alaska winter. <laughs> yeah. So about seven days later, I uh, was in a place called Benerkia, Columbia. It was 117 degrees. And I had heat blisters that I had no idea would blow up to the extreme they did. So uh, I spent about four or five days with a wet towel trying to get those calmed down before I could proceed with my new life in Columbia, South America. So that's basically how I ended from there. Once I was done with that, I came back up to Alaska. And uh, 
by then I already had a pretty good yearning for coffee. And how long have you been bringing coffee up here? Since 1992, I believe was the first shipment I got. Uh, like all other entrepreneurs, you know, you're, you're young, you think you can do everything. And it lasted for around four years later, and then I went bankrupt. So through the bankruptcy, I uh, still had the passion for coffee, but I also had five kids, and, you know, life was pretty interesting. And back then when you went bankruptcy, you lost your house, your cars. You, I mean, you literally lost everything. So got a job and drove a school bus, got firewood, multitask and all kinds of whatever it was needed to do, little by little, I uh, ended up getting a job with a lady that had a coffee shop here in the valley. One thing led to another, and I bought an old roaster and put that in, and we roasted with that, and was able to upgrade. One thing led to another, and uh, this is where we're at today. Not, you know, in life, it happens. It happens. <laughs> That's the easiest you got to bounce back and keep you that gotta, hustle alive. You know, I tell everybody, my kids particularly, you got to keep swinging the bat. You stop swinging the bat, that ball ain't coming to you. I, I think anyone, I can speak for anyone that's in the food, beverage, this whole industry, we've all been there, tried to be the next yeah. millionaire, the next TV star, yeah. and just have to keep bouncing back from it. The shop here at Alaska Artisan Coffee, and we're looking at two huge roasters. So, about how much coffee can you roast at a time? If with both machines running, we have a 35 kilo and we have this uh, 30 kilo, uh, we can do about 1,200 pounds a day fairly easily. Wow. Uh, it would be nice to sit here and broadcast that I'm doing that every day, <laughs> but that's not true. But we have that capacity. Uh, we're also in the process of having another. This machine is custom built, so they're have building another one. Okay. So we're going to have a, another one coming on board. The nice thing about these particular machines is I can inject my wishes and specifications as they're building them. And here, when you roast coffee, obviously the main ingredient is really good beans. You gotta have a really good machine that will fully develop the coffee to the where you want it, and you, most just as important because all roasters, regardless whether they're wood or whatever you got, they need air. And I'm a firm believer of having clean Alaskan mountain air because that's where I get the crispness. I don't have city air. I don't, you know, I'm pulling right off from sitting on this lake and pulling extra moisture in to buy the time I need for the development of the coffee that I'm looking for as to whether it's completely right or completely wrong. Uh, I feel comfortable with what we're producing. It has never been my intention to be the biggest and number one. And I'm comfortable with uh, the crew we have, the personnel we've got. Everybody, you know, is probably the most loyal and hardworking team you can come across that works at this little family-oriented place it's about six employees and we work hard. you can definitely see that i mean these we'll we'll post some pictures up too but these are some very big machines and you can just smell yeah. the coffee the aroma when you walk in here so how long does it take from when you first get your shipment in till it hits the store shelf we don't inventory anything in other words the orders that comes in today will be roasted tomorrow 
and they'll be packaged uh, Thursday, the following day. Because we need one day to quench to get the coffee to hold its oil and retain its uh, flavor. So without knowing that, that, that we operate, that there's no inventory in front of us, makes it kind of challenging. Because some days, you know, you got four or 500 pounds, and then the next day you got three of the big boys all giving us the orders at the same time. And then, you know, then we are against the wall and we're cracking it out. <laughs> but we've never inventoried anything. We, you know, what comes, the orders get roasted and we deliver it. And we do that with all our stores, all our product. We rotate our own product. We deliver our own product. We do all the stores. Uh, so it's kind of a one-stop shop. Yeah, we control the, the inventory. We don't just put it on a truck and send it on its way and hope it gets there 10 months later. Excellent. And so with the coffee coming in, your orders coming in like that, what is your biggest challenge of being up here in Alaska compared to if you were in the lower 48s? Do you have any different challenges than somebody in Seattle or Texas roasting coffee? Shipping. Shipping is the reason the big boys are not up here. You know, there's a couple companies that classify themselves being up here, but they have a little machine just enough to make it stamp that they are up here and made in Alaska, but it actually comes from Seattle or from Oregon. And it'd be rather... There's a lot of that. And some of the coffee that comes up here, all food products, including dairy and et cetera, work their way from the east to the west. And once it gets to the west, and particularly northwest, Oregon, Washington, northern California, if you will, they, they're up against the wall, the ocean. So now where's it going to go? It's going to go to Alaska. It's going to go to Hawaii. Or it's going to go to Guam. Or it's going to go overseas. The struggle we have as a little outfit competing with 50 of these big organizations is once it comes up to Alaska, it ain't going back south. It's not going anywhere. So it comes up here as $12 a bag, if you will. And then 10 days later, it's $8 a bag. And then 10 days later, it's $5 a bag. And we're sitting on the shelf at 13 to $15 range, uh, which makes it really hard to compete. But you have to realize some of that coffee, a lot of it is over nine months old. So knowing that you're drinking a coffee that's nine months old that you got for six bucks uh, compared to something that's only three days old, you know, is really, is it really worth the money? I say yes. But each shopper is different. Each buyer is different. And you know, the demographic and the amount of money people have in their pocket all dictates what they're going to buy. And I respect that. I've been there, you know. So when I'm driving a school bus, that $6 bag is what I would buy because that's all I can afford. And I respect that. Yeah, that's one thing. As I've been talking to more people, it seems like the shipping is definitely a challenge for them. And a lot of them inventory it. So I can only imagine having to turn and burn yeah, each shipment coming in. Now, you were talking about you get coffee from about 17 different countries. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's kind of some of your favorite coffees, personally? Being the coffee man, got to ask the coffee man his I, favorite. I'm a fan of, bear in mind, my farm background kind of throws in a lot of why I do what I do. I love Latin American coffee. Particularly Latin American coffee is you've got the Gulf of Mexico, and you got the Pacific Ocean. 
and you got the currents and the wind going back and forth to the degree that you'll have a little bit better moisture. You will have a little bit better distinctiveness out of them versus, say, some that comes out of Ethiopia, which is you know a dry, red soil, arid, uh, has its own uniqueness in itself. But okay. Latin America, I particularly like because of the fact that the beans are a lot more developed. They have moisture in them. And I use it to my advantage. So with the coffee beans, talking about the moisture and compared to the dryness, is that where your your flavors, your different flavors come from? Is it more environmental compared to necessarily like a specific type of seed? Or Each bean will have their own characteristics. You know, you can buy an Ethiopian Eurochef and it because of where it grew and the soil it grew in and etc., will have a real distinctive bitiness to it, contrary to a coffee that's from Brazil or from Guatemala. Okay. So if you take and maintain that mentality as to where the beans are coming from, you can develop blends, which is what I do, uh, that take the weakness and the strong points and etc. And you're able, like, if I have a batch of really dry beans, I'll look for some from Indonesia, which is really moisture content, very moist and etc. I'll throw that in, in to buy me some more time to get the development that I'm looking for. Uh, and it's each crop is different. Like, I've been going that crazy. I just got a crop, and it's the new crop. Well, yeah, the new crop, people are calling me going, God, this doesn't taste like what it did last week. I, I know that. And you can't expect a crop to be always consistent, always the same year after year after year. It's part of the luxury, I guess, of trying to do this. At the same time, we can maintain the middle of the road. Uh, you know, the first 10 days of a new crop, I'm probably the biggest a-hole that ever walks around because I'm just frustrated. <laughs> But once I get it dialed in, then I calm down and life goes on. That's really fascinating. Like I said, uh, coffee's a pretty new space to me, so it's pretty fascinating to actually hear what goes into the cup of coffee we don't think about in the morning. We just throw it in the coffee pot, hit go, and go about our day. So is there anything you'd like to uh, share with our listeners here of Anyone that's interested in learning more about roasting coffee or how to find you or your products, I know you said some of the stores you were in, but if you want to share like some social media or anything, they can find you or just some closing advice for anyone. Uh, well, first of all, understand that coffee is the number two most traded commodity in the world. Really? World is first, coffee is second. The next point I want to make is the average tree grows one pound a year. Average. So just wow. That's... think of how many millions of trees. And the average hands-on work that goes from the time they pick the beans and they dry them and pick them and separate them with different classifications, 21 steps. 21. So by the time you're drinking a cup of coffee, these poor farmers and the people that have brought it to this point, it's 
really kind of an eye-opener when you're there and standing in the middle of a plantation and watching people, the amount of work that they do is just mind-boggling. I mean, they can only pick the brightest red or orange cherry. If in the event they accidentally pick one of the others, they get penalized because the guy is standing there and he'll penalize. And you're talking about pennies a day. I mean, this is not, this is pennies a day. It is, it's, it's probably, you know, something that is taken for granted by all of us. Hey. That you live, you look, and you live with them, and you see the conditions and the work ethics and etc. that these poor people go through. It's mind boggling. It is. You know, I think of myself leaving the dairy farm, and I go, screw this, it's way too much work. Well, after being on that plantation for a while, I live like a king compared to what these people do, the children do, etc. So, you know, it's, it's come a long ways, and it is coming a long ways. There's a lot of people working to where to make sure that the farmers get properly paid. Uh, but it's still a challenging endeavor, knowing what you have to do to actually get up in the morning and enjoy that kind of coffee. It's just mind-blowing. I can say I'm probably uh, guilty of not really putting much more thought into it besides how, how strong do I want it? Yeah, Three exactly. or four scoops. So that's yeah. really fascinating point to get across and kind of think about in the mornings. Good. Good. We're located at 4576 South Glen Highway right on Mount Newsom Lake. Our email is perk, P-E-R-K, to the number two, B as in boy, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from people. Uh, we do have a Facebook, but we're not, you know, it, it takes time to do all this stuff. And when we're doing all that stuff, we're not producing the product that the customers need. So uh, we have a strange arrangement to a lot of people. We get up early, we start roasting the coffee, we start bagging it, etc. And then at 1 o'clock, everybody loads their rigs, and we take off at 1 o'clock. And we, because a lot of the stores have an hour time frame that we have to be there to deliver. Okay. So we basically shut down at 1 o'clock, we'll take care of our deliveries. But if you call ahead of time or email ahead of time, we do have a, a man array, uh, there's a table set up in a secure place where you come in and pick up your own product and there's a, uh, a method of paying, etc. So it is there in the off hours. Well, we'll make sure that we get all that information in our show notes. That way everybody can check you guys out. Again, that's Alaska Artisan Coffee here in Palmer, Alaska. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 